Hey, Sasha. Hey, Courtney. Why do ghosts love Mardi Gras and St. Patrick's Day? I don't know. Why? Because they can get their booze on at both. Party, party. It's spoop hour. typed up anyway <laughs> welcome, welcome back, back to spoop hour we just had some off-air confessions of the fourth of july and whose name is what yeah i almost said hi sasha i've done it one time and i had to think really hard like her name's courtney whereas i almost said mardi gras and the fourth of july we're like 71 episodes into this i know we're not new at this <laughs> we've been friends for 15 years i mean we still <laughs> we I just still can't was like what the fuck what's is her happening? name <laughs> This is Spoop Hour. It's a paranormal comedy podcast. If you like people who are good at talking, you probably should go somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm just kidding. We're good. We're good. Um, And yeah, so as always, you can find us first and foremost on Twitter and then also on Instagram where we post photos of the things that we talk about. And in both of those places, we are at Spoop Hour. Yes. And then you can also send us emails at our Gmail, spoophour at gmail.com. Send us emails. We love hearing from it. We're trying to gather a compendium of stories of mm-hmm. things that your parents used to scare you as a kid so you'd behave. Yeah. Like, Please send us those. Like, those woods are off limits because there's a monster in them. Yes. Not, we don't want to lose you in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, don't talk to strangers because they're probably a vampire trying to suck your blood as opposed to just don't talk to strangers because they're probably murderers. <laughs> They'll take you to a secondary location and your and chances of survival will drop drastically. My mom actually straight up told me that. Street she, smarts. Street smarts. My mom street smarted before JJ Bittenbinder was even in my vocabulary. <laughs> she was like, if someone tries to take you to a second location, the odds of your survival go down dramatically. So fight as hard as you can if they try to take you away. And I'm like, all right, thank you, mom. File that one away. <laughs> anyway. Hi, mom. Today is a day. Yes. The second round of the snack it has dropped. It is. Yeah. It and has. It's it's a good time. It's been. Both of our brackets are shockingly not super busted. We're not super busted. I was 100% on the movie theater snacks I think on I, both of my brackets. I think I got pretty close with almost all of mine, except obviously oh. in my wishful thinking bracket where I was voting for things that I wanted to win, but I knew wouldn't. My wishful thinking, I had Raisinets, and mm. in my regular one, I had my chocolate-covered chocolate pretzels. pretzels. Yeah. Fair. Because yeah. I pity-voted. Yeah, I pity-voted I pity voted on my wishlist snacks, knowing that they mm. weren't going to win, but I had my real one. Yeah, two of my party snacks were wrong. Mm-hmm. My party snacks, I was surprised that Pigs in a Blanket actually progressed, and I was surprised that Mozzarella Sticks beat Buffalo Chicken Dip, because usually people on the snack it love Buffalo Chicken Dip. Yeah. I personally could take it or leave it, but they love it, so... Yeah. I'm, That's fine. I definitely had a hard time picking between string cheese and mini uh, tiny citrus fruit during the first round because mm-hmm. those are two those are your staple snacks. snacks in my life. Although I haven't been to the grocery store in a while, so like che- cheese, string cheese hasn't like been in my snack pack snack in rotation. a while. 
But tiny citrus fruit, I was telling Courtney, I eat like 12 of those a week. Mm-hmm. Like a bag by myself. Yeah. <laughs> and I was really sad to see that it went down, but it went down to my second favorite snack. So, so. these things happen. And then people picked apple over banana. I knew that both, was coming. Both are delicious. Yes. Yesterday I had an amazing apple crossata at uh, Gordon Biersch. Because instead of eating dinner at dinner, I ate dessert because I'm an adult. Yeah, you can do um, what you want. I could do what I want. I might leave the house, go to the grocery store just to get cereal so I can have cereal for dinner because we had an off-air con- conversation about... I had about so much cereal this weekend. ...cereal being a meal because I don't consider a bowl of cereal a snack because that is that is what I will eat mm. for dinner probably. Yeah. Oops. But um, <laughs> but yeah, like the apple stuff that was in it was delicious. I fucking love apples. But as an on-the-go snack, banana. apples, when I'm driving, it's easier for me to eat a banana. Yeah. Or if I'm walking, it's easier for me to eat a banana because the skin is a little waxy, but, like, nothing is dripping on me, and I can just throw the peel away. Mm -hmm. Whereas an apple, I have to, like, find tissues or hand sanitizer or something to, like, wipe off the sticky apple juice off my hands. Yeah. Or I have to do that thing where, like, I'm pinching the claw Uh, and, like, hoping that I don't touch anything and I'm just, like... Yeah. For me, there was one when I had my shitty job where I basically... The only break I got was to go to the bathroom... I would eat lunch at my desk, and one week I packed apples mm-hmm. with my lunch, mm-hmm. and I quickly learned not to do that because I would have to be actively working, and I would literally just, like, put my apple in my mouth like I were a roast pig and just, like, <laughs> go to town on whatever I was what doing. doing. Whereas a banana, I could take a bite, like, gently lay the peel, peel down, down and rest it on the peel. Yep. Anyway, that's Can we your... talk about our wishful thinking brackets uh, a little bit? Yeah, sure. We'll, yeah. we'll just touch it in. Who are your final four? My final four were bowl of ice cream versus <gasps> tiny citrus fruit. Obviously, that's busted. Obviously. Um, pretzel with cheese versus guac with chips. Wow. With bowl of ice cream and guac facing off in the final and bowl of ice cream winning. Interesting. Yours are very different than mine. I want more savory with all of my choices. Mm-hmm. For me, it was nachos versus Doritos. Mm-hmm. Then... Peanut butter cups versus charcuterie board. Mm. And nachos and charcuterie went to the final two with charcuterie coming out victorious. Yeah, I had charcuterie going up against guac right before the final four. Mm. I yeah. had charcuterie against pigs in a blanket because oh, I really like pigs in a blanket. I, I like pigs in a blanket too, but I think I always gravitate towards the guac first. I gravitate towards all the dips. Interesting. And so I voted all the dips forward for a while. Hummus didn't make it forward, but... Mm. But guac did. Yeah, um, for me, if I'm gravitating towards something, I'll eat guac if it's there, but I generally don't seek it out. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to pay an extra dollar to get guac for something. Like, yeah. fuck that. But I will eat some mini pigs in a blanket. Oh, you know what's busted? I put brownies going ahead of salsa, but it was chocolate chip cookies versus I salsa. And I, I think... I did literally the exact same thing. Brownies yeah. against salsa and brownies going ahead against pigs in a blanket. Yeah. That that category that, was so hard because it was homemade brownies versus, versus homemade cookies. How and do you, you think about the worst one, like which one's harder to fuck up? I think brownies are harder to fuck up than cookies. Honestly, I I don't know that that is true and I still voted for brownies. So like, yeah. Well, because brownies are delicious. Yeah. We have a new addition to the podcasting basement, slash is going to go back up to my room when I'm done, but it's going to follow me around the house. I was going to say, I hope he wanders around the house. He wanders around the house. I bought the Whatever Shark from Ikea this weekend. I love it. Because it hadn't been in stock at the Woodbridge Ikea for a while. For four Um, years. And I go to Ikea fairly often, as it is, and I always check, you have to walk past through the kids' section to get to the food. You have to walk through every section. You have to walk through through everything. everything. That's why I hate Ikea. (laughs) Oh, there are a lot of little shortcuts you can take. I still hate it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But I always check for cute plushies, and yesterday they had the shark, and my wonderful partner encouraged me to buy it because he said, you're an adult, which is also why I had dessert for dinner last night, because I'm an adult. 
So this shark, if you have seen the whatever shark meme, it's just the shark laying around with the caption whatever. We now have a whatever We're shark. Whatever shark. If you follow me on Twitter, especially, you'll see there have been lots of photos of me with the whatever shark this weekend. <laughs> Did anything spooky happen to you other than adopting a shark? State testing happened. And it's still happening this week. Otherwise... No, this has been a very unspooky week. I was well, very, I got all your spookiness. Yeah, I was very stressed and just like weepy this week because mm. I was very stressed. And so there was no space in my brain to be like <laughs> to be scared, scared of anything because <laughs> I was just so stressed. Because you're just upset. Yeah. <laughs> Bless. But please tell me about all of your supernatural tidings. So the first thing that happened was I went into work, normal day, mm-hmm. busy, whatever, did all my shit, left work, walked out into the parking garage and was greeted with this sight. Those uh, are nails just sticking out of the ceiling. Okay. Just dozens and dozens of nails. What are they installing? I'm assuming they're putting up some sort of tiling system, but there was no one around and there were just suddenly all these nails. I'll post a picture on the Instagram of these nails, but I was like, well, that's unsettling. So I like walked very quickly under them because I didn't want to get nailed in the head. <laughs> pardon so, the pun. Pardon the pun. Uh, nailed by nails. And the second spooky thing that happened to me was at some point this week, I want to say it was Tuesday into Wednesday, but it might have been Wednesday into Thursday. It doesn't matter. I had a dream that we got home invaded via someone coming in through the attic door in my closet. The one that you're scared of. The one that I'm scared of. And that the person was then under the bed and grabbed my ankle. And then I woke up because I was so scared. And I was like, well, that was an upsetting dream. So I get up the next day and start getting ready for work. And I go into my closet to get my dress for the day. And I notice that in the closet where the attic door opens up, I keep the bag of cat food for Zelda on top of this like storage cube. Uh Uh-huh. And the cat food had been knocked over. Oh, no. It's never been knocked over in its entire life. And it's not like the food had spilled everywhere, so it wasn't Zelda knocking it over to eat it. It had just been knocked over. So that was a bummer. Oh, God. (laughs) But as far as I can tell, there are no murderers who have come out of the attic yet. Oh, I had some pretty bad dreams this week. Mm. Like, scary dreams. Like, very much like I'm in hiding and watching, like, the people walk past me and, like, hoping that no one can see me. Yikes. But that might just be compounded by the stress. Well, the whatever yeah. shark will protect you. Whatever shark will protect me. They'll be eat. like, where is she? And he'll he be will like, eat whatever. my enemies. Like they were snacks. Like they were snacks. In the snack it. Snack shark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we haven't I haven't settled on a name yet. I've just been calling him the whatever shark. Well, the whatever shark or he's a very good boy. But yesterday Jack was trying to help me brainstorm names for him and he got to the point where he was like, "I'm trying to think of names that start with V and G." And I was like, "Why?" And he was like, "Because he's, he's very good." And I'm like, "Yeah, he is very good." And he goes, "Also, very good in Japanese is Jose." Mm-hmm. And in Japanese, Jaws is Jaws, and Jaws is a shark. And I was like, damn it. So one of the working names right now is Victor Giovanni. Love it. Because he's a very good shark. He's a very good shark. He's a Jawsy Jawsy. Yeah. So that was was Jack's contribution. A plus plus. I approve. Yeah. So today we are talking about... Mardi Gras. And, and also St. Patrick's Day. Woo-woo. Because they happened within the same span of time, roughly. Basically, yeah. Basically. As, as you're listening to this, Mardi Gras passed last week, right? And, and, yep. and St. Patrick's Day, Day is coming up. Is this weekend, I so think. So we're, yeah, we're leading up to it. Yeah, so to split the difference, we are doing a Mardi Gras and general St. Patrick's Day spoopery. Hell today. yeah. 
it's going to be a good time. It's going to be very hodgepodgey, which mm-hmm. hopefully whatever. I don't know. Whatever, Shark. Whatever, Shark. He says whatever. He approves. Thanks, Victor Giovanni. Totemo Josi desne. Anyway, in order to kick off the fun times and let those good times roll, yeah, yeah. we're going to play a game. Whoop, whoop. I love games. We haven't played a game in a while. I know. That's why I was like, I got to come up with a game because we haven't done one in a while. And then I was like, ooh, I thought of a game. So... Hopefully this works. It turned out to be not as fleshed out of a game as I was hoping, but we're just going to try it. It happens. Yep. So this game is called Mardi Gras or Funeral. (laughs) So you're going to tell me, I'm going to read a list of 10 statements. You're going to tell me if it is part of a traditional Mardi Gras celebration or if it is part of a traditional New Orleans funeral. Okay. All right. You ready for this? Let's do it. Historic versions of this featured celebrations of up to a week and a parade. Woohoo! <laughs> I want it to be both. <laughs> Por que no los dos? Por que no los dos? Let's say the funeral. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Statement number two. Get out of here, white people. Historically, they are not on board with this, finding it distasteful. Mardi Gras or funeral? Funeral. Correct. White people hated jazz around World War One, so they hated the whole parade thing because jazz featured heavily in it. Mm. They're often called jazz funerals. Yeah. So white people were like, that's the devil's music. It's celebration. And they hated it. They can hate my ass. I'm sure they do. Mm-hmm. I love it, though. You've got a good ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a real creepy way for me to pay you a compliment. Thank anyway, you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Small pieces of glass are handed out for good fortune, so try to collect them all. Gotta catch them all, Pokemon. Um, Mardi Gras. Yes. Yeah. The original beads were little glass ones that were given as a trinket by the wealthy for parade goers. Hmm. Kick up your heels and celebrate, in part because you're now out of slavery. Mardi Gras. Funeral. Funeral. Oh, God. Part of the reason for the celebratory air is because historically that was the only way you were getting out of slavery. No. So people would have a jazz funeral to be like, well, at least you're not a slave anymore, which is really sad. But also, like, that's that's yeah, a positive spin to celebrate. On, yeah, yeah, on death. It's really sad. That's but, really sad. you know, don't own people, maybe. I don't know. What you wear reflects the principles of justice, faith, and power. Mardi Gras Mardi or Gras. funeral? Yes. Mm-hmm. The colors were originally selected in 1872 to honor visiting Russian Grand Duke Alexis. That can't be right. I wrote Alexis Alexis Alexandrovich Romanov, but I don't think he has two Alexises in a row. I don't think he's the band Duran Duran, but Alexis Alexis. Anyway, his house colors were purple for justice, green for faith, and gold for power. Yep. So those colors have stayed through to this day. You may need the help of a crew to plan this properly. Crew is spelled K-R-E-W-E if it helps. Oh. Funeral? Mardi Mardi Gras. Gras. A crew is a group or secret society that plans part of the parade all year. Okay. So traditionally a crew now will take on like one float or one aspect of the parade. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Back in the day it was like secret societies who would plan a lot more of the parade. That's funny. I think something about that came up in my research and I just skimmed it. Good call. Thank you. Thank you for skimming it. I will say that the colors came up in my research. Damn it! Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. You didn't know. I did But my it was best. a really nice tidbit. Yay! I hope the listeners didn't know that and are like, that sounds like a funeral. You were wrong. It's Mardi Gras. This custom is in part inspired by Haitian voodoo to appease the spirits that protect the dead. Mardi Gras or funeral? Mm, Mardi Gras. Funeral. funeral. Damn it. Okay. They also draw from traditional black Protestant and Catholic church tradition. Mm, okay. I like it. It's like right? a blend. Yeah, it's fun. It's yeah. like it's like a 
religious melting pot to send gumbo. someone off. Yeah, it's like a religious gumbo. Which is delicious. It is, and that might be the name of this episode. Yes, religious gumbo. <laughs> religious gumbo. Ah, yes, because St. Patrick's Day is St. Patrick's Day is also a religious thing. Fe- religious yeah. gumbo. We religious got gumbo. It we got it. so early. 15, 15 minutes, minutes in. in, we have an episode title. Thank God. Don't forget your ceremonial torch and leave it burning all night to keep away the darkness. Mardi Gras Mardi Gras. Funeral? Mardi Gras. This tradition is called flambeau and evolved from a need to keep the parade lit at night so that revelers can see the whole event. But it's it's now like... It's lit. It's now super lit. <laughs> we have electricity. One, we have electricity now, but they still do stuff with the torches, yep. but now it's more of a performance piece. Yeah. So people will spin it. They'll put fancy backsplashes on their torches mm. and so on. Fun fact, the original flambeau were carried by free men of color and slaves. Mm-hmm. Second lines are an important aspect of this, celebrating the importance of community. Mardi Gras or funeral? Funeral. Yep. The second line is when people are encouraged to join the parade during the solemn procession mm-hmm. and follow behind the first line. And the first line is mourners, members of the yeah. family, like firsthand related to the dead. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you drop the body off and then it's yeah. party, party, party. Makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Go coconuts. Seriously, watch out for coconuts being tossed in the air. Mardi Gras or funeral? Funeral? Mardi Gras! Mardi Gras. <laughs> I've never heard that before. I've heard about like the beads or whatever. No, nope. I was like... <laughs> I, I read this and I was like, well, this is fucking awesome. I'm amazing. It. Zulu coconuts, or quote, the golden nugget, started being tossed in 1910 by a crew that couldn't afford glass beads. Okay. The tradition eventually evolved to include decorated coconuts, so they were like super glitzy, so people would decorate oh, them to be Mardi like Gras yeah. and throw them out to the crowd. Oh, that's awesome. But in 1987, New Orleans pooped the party and banned the tossing of coconuts because too many people were getting injured and filing liability claims That's in the city of so New Orleans. That's so funny. Oh my god. Because <laughs> they were getting beamed by coconuts. <laughs> Oh my god. And that's Mardi Gras or Funeral. Ooh, Yay! That was really fun. Thank you. I, yeah. Some of that stuff like came up in my research. Mm-hmm. Like flambeau came flambeau. up. Flambeau. And I thought that was a really cool piece of information. Yeah. Yeah. So Mardi, I learned Mardi Gras is super rad. Yeah. <laughs> in um, case you didn't know. It was I it's one of those things where it's like I want to go experience it firsthand someday. Yes. However, I am not a drinker. Uh. And don't like crowds that much. Like I have to be like in a specific mood for a crowd. Mm-hmm. And I really want to go to New Orleans because it's like food. Yes. Um, and haunted places. Yes. But I, yeah, I just don't know if I want to go for Mardi. Yeah, I, I don't know that I will ever go for Mardi Gras, mostly because it seems like a drunken shit show, and I have a very low tolerance for drunken shit shows. Yep. And I have a very low tolerance for sober shit shows. That's also true. I don't like those either. I, <laughs> Jack told me that he could see me yesterday, like with my patience for people starting to wane, because like we Urge went to I kill can't... rising, rising, rising <laughs> falling. falling. Once you bought, Victor. once I bought the Victor, yeah, and we <laughs> ate lunch. But it's like we woke up early by accident, yeah. and then we went to IKEA like before it opened. Yeah, and we had like a really good morning, and we were like chilling in the afternoon. But we went to Tyson's to go see Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people there. Uh, and Captain Marvel had a lot of like stimulus, and it was a good movie, but it was just very it was just stimulating. And then we went and hung out with friends afterwards, mm-hmm. and I was like, I've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. Even though like on the whole, most of us were sober, and I was just yeah. like, no. Yeah, <laughs> I went to bed for me. This fall, our annual conference is in New Orleans, so I'm hoping to be able to, like, save up enough that I can fly my boyfriend down and we can go after the conference and just explore New Orleans, do all the haunted spooky shit. Right? Because this is also, I'm turning 30 this year because I'm old AF, 
Haha, <laughs> I'm not. I'm very young. Yeah. I'm basically an infant. But <laughs> but since it's my 30th birthday, I'm like, I could I could spend a couple days in New Orleans for yeah. the 30th and then just come back and have like a low-key shindig. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. My One of my best friends, Julia, she went to New Orleans with her mom a few years ago yeah. and did like cemetery tour and stuff. We, we talked, we about, talked it on, about it when we did yeah, Marie Laveau. Yeah. And so that was that was really cool. So I've got a little bit of background on Mardi Gras. I'm sure that sounds you great. Too. I have one Story? Mardi Gras ghost. Ghost. Okay. So from this one's from GhostCityTours.com, focusing on New Orleans. Mm-hmm. But basically, we're just as a refresher. It begins on the Epiphany, which is Three Kings Day or twelfth or a previous twelfth night. It's not the twelfth night of like oh, yeah. Christmas, not right? Christmas 12th. And it ends on Fat Tuesday, aka Shrove Tuesday or Mardi Gras Day, which. Last week, I forgot what Shrove was, and we talked about this <laughs> we in did. Catholics, um, where I was like, oh, it's Pancake Day. I love pancakes. Pancakes are my favorite breakfast food. And then everyone else was like, Catholics. And I was hey. like, oh, <laughs> right. But I was raised Catholic, and this is what I admitted to Sasha. I still feel weird about eating meat on Fridays during Lent. Yeah. I do it, but I feel like I have a moment of, oh, no, it's meat. No, I'm no. good. Yeah. That's fine. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> or like, I have friends who are no longer practicing Catholics, but they still do Lent because oh. they're like so used to the idea of giving up something. Yeah. And still practice that. Yeah. I do. I'm going to tell this story. Yeah. And Catholic guilt is just going to pour out of it. So when I was in the ninth grade, I gave up cookies for Lent. And as some of you know, it's Girl Scout cookie season. And when I gave up cookies for Lent, I had not considered that I had ordered two boxes of Tagalongs, my very favorite cookie, from my Girl Scout friend. Tagalongs are... I, I think they're better than Thin Mints. I agree. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. We've amended our pickle rupture <laughs> with week. a bridge of Tagalogs <laughs> in the true spirit of their name. Anyway, I had forgotten that I that, that would be delivered during Lent. And when they were delivered to me, I forgot it was Lent. So I <gasps> ate like four of them. And then I happened to mention to the Mormon boy in the trumpet section that I had a wicked crush on, I'm so excited I got my Girl Scout cookies. And he goes, I thought you gave up cookies for Lent. The guilt. And the Catholic guilt just erupted out of me. And I was like, oh my God. And I felt terrible. And I like, I hid the tagalongs from myself by putting them like way in the back of my band locker and like putting my crappy cheap horn in front of them so I couldn't get to them easily. And it just, I felt so terrible. And then I like so didn't touch, it was, it was a deeply scarring thing for wow. like 14 year old me. Wow. Anyway. <laughs> that definitely happened like 16 years that ago. That definitely <laughs> happened like almost 16, yeah. <laughs> anyway, shout out to the Mormon boy I had a crush on Yikes. in high school. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I've never given anything up, although I saw an article today that was talking about like, if you're looking for something to give up, mm-hmm. why not try single-use plastics? Oh, nice. And it was an article from, like, a different time of year, but that they, like, reposted as a, hey, if yeah. you're still looking for something to give up. And I was like, hey, this would be cool to give up. Not that, like, I, like I'm like i not a Catholic. Yeah. But. It's, it's the sort of thing that, like, now they try to push more that you give up a negative behavior. Yeah. So, like, you're going to gossip less, you're going to be nosy mm-hmm. less, whatever, rather than... But for me, growing up, it was always a food item. Like, I'm not going to eat candy, I'm not going to eat dessert, mm. I'm not going to eat cookies, whatever. And, like, now, at least recently, I've seen some discourse about how if you are Catholic and you are practicing Lent, don't use it as an excuse to force your body through a crash diet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people are like, I'm giving up eating more than a thousand calories a day. One of my f- coworkers is doing Whole30. Oh. As if he can't eat anything fun right now. Oh. And I'm like, damn. Sounds like Lent. 
Yep. Anyway. Anyway. So, uh, so <laughs> that's the, been anyway. Lent hour. <laughs> Mardi Gras is the <laughs> season known as Carnival, right? Mardi Yay. Gras is French for fat. Fat, Fat Tuesday, Tuesday. yeah, yep. and is the celebrated method for indulgence and debauchery before the first before the fasting of Lent. A farewell to the flesh, a time hey. when the colors of purple for justice, green for faith, whoa, and gold for power. I would have never guessed. Wow, reign supreme <laughs> and adorn every decoration on every door and balcony of the French Quarter. So hmm. there are some elements of pagan rituals of Lupercalia and Saturnalia mm-hmm. in. Mardi Gras celebrations? If there's one thing Catholicism-based celebrations love, it is cribbing from pagans. Exactly. So, declared a national holiday, sorry, a legal holiday in Louisiana in 1875. Yeah, Mardi Gras actually dates back thousands of years to pagan spring and fertility celebrations in ancient Rome. Also nice. When Christianity first arrived in Rome, the traditions of pagan Lupercalia and Saturnalia weren't eradicated, but Mm -hmm. instead they were carried on and incorporated into their new Christian religion. Lupercalia was a three-day-long fertility festival that took place in February. Cleansing the ancient city of evil spirits and unleashing health, fertility, and rebirth was the purpose of Lupercalia. Nice. I think, actually, my 10th grade English teacher told us about that one. Yeah. Did it say who Lupercalia, other than uh, the pagans? Yes. It's a, well, the Feast of Lupercalia is a famous scene in William Shakespeare's Julius Caesar. Okay. Maybe that was... Maybe. Maybe. Because I could have I sworn it was during the Anglo-Saxon unit, but maybe mm. it was during Shakespeare. Because... Yeah. Because she, uh, she had this, like, little whip thing. It wasn't really a whip. It yeah. wasn't, like, some weird whip thing. Yeah. But she was, like, joking, like, haha, if I touch you with this, you're going to be fat, happy, and fertile. Oh, okay. Yeah, the celebration was also known as Dies Februtas, mm-hmm. named after the purification instrument of Februa, of mm-hmm. fe- Februa which gave February, Februarius, oh. its name. So, was the whip of Februa? I don't know. Okay. But yeah, <laughs> again, um, that is. Will- William Shakespeare, there was a, a feast of Lupercal in that. Saturnalia is the ancient festival honoring the sun god Saturn, which was traditionally held in December. We know this about, I think we talked about this around like Christmas, sorry. Mm. Celebrated with a sacrifice, a subsequent feast and gift giving and general carnival-like ambience, the custom was to elect a king of Saturnalia, kind of like electing a king of Mardi Gras, hey! right? And he would, uh, the, the Rex, if you will, okay. of, um, of Mardi Gras. And so he would reign over the ongoing festivities, like the Mar- King of Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. So the general cleansing or farewell of flesh of Lupercalia and the election of a king of Saturnalia, the feasts, merrymaking, and festivities of both pagan rituals are kind of clear in the, the roots of Mardi Gras, right? Okay. And then you were talking previously about crews. And there is one in particular called the Skull and Bone Gang, where they will dress as skeletons, and oh. the leader wears an antler helmet, nice. and they all That's exclaim things thing. like, we've come to remind you, before you die, you better get your life together. <laughs> Next time you see us, it's too late to cry. And they'll like parade around, and it's been around for 200, this tradition has been around for 200 years. Nice. It's rooted in African spirituality, meant to arise family spirits back from the cemetery to parade alongside their ancestors during Mardi Gras. Mm. You can witness this new, uniquely New Orleans Mardi Gras tradition still, if you mm-hmm. go to like a, one particular museum, it's called the Backstreet Cultural Museum, okay. on Fat Tuesday morning, and then they gather there and then they leave to, to spread around. But... It's that I thought that was really cool and kind of spooky and also ties everything mm-hmm. back to ghosts. So I he- heard that. So I know you have one story about ghosts. One ghost about and no, Mardi Gras ghosts. About Mardi Gras ghosts. And then I'm just gonna just very quickly retouch some ghost stories that I think we've talked about before when we did our haunted restaurants, mm-hmm. or maybe we've done something ghosts of women or Who whatnot. Knows? We've done a lot um, of ghosts. Was the one Muriel's? Muriel's. We, we we've talked about I that feel one. Like we did. I the don't haunted know. restaurant. 
But basically, the there was a compulsive gambler named Pierre-Antoine Lepardi-Jordan, and he purchased the building that would become Muriel's after the Great New Orleans Fire of 1788 and renovated to become his dream home. Ooh. In 1814, he lost the house in a poker Oops. game. Bet no, the but whole the house. house. Yeah. Don't do it. And devastate- The house always wins, except in this case, case when you lose the house. house. Devastated, he killed himself on the house's second floor, Yikes. and he will still make his spectral presence known to employees, and he'll move furniture, smash the occasional glass. Muriel's maintains a special table set with bread and wine and they also wine and they have a designated seance room where he can hang out nice so they made a little space and then they also the muriel's is next to another french quarter hotel Mm -hmm. which has its own set of ghosts so like i like to imagine that he goes and hangs out with them plays poker in the afterlife yeah hopefully doesn't bet his afterlife house yeah and then the other restaurant that we've talked about that's in new orleans that i just can't remember when but I love it. The Bourbon <laughs> Pub is a two-story gay dance club, and it's a great place to party for both the living and the dead. Nice. There is a resident ghost at the gay club. Her name is Mom. Yes. And she's a small-statured Creole woman. She is dressed in a cotton dress and a head wrap, and she'll often approach a patron and look them in the eye while muttering to herself before fading into obscurity. Nice. She uh, staffers also um, report unusual activity, including other unexplained footsteps, cups that move their, on their own, and odd mm. sensation that include feeling being struck on the fr- foot. Oh, no one knows where mom came from or who she really is, but she's just like she's partying. She's partying at the at the club. Good for her. So you've got a story I do. about a thing we may have already talked about, <laughs> but about a ghost remember. named Jermaine. Yes, Jermaine. Jermaine. So we are going to talk about Arnaud's, which is a restaurant, which is why I'm like, I don't remember if we talked about this or not. I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself. Hopefully. But hey, if you're new here, if you're new here, pretend like we've never talked about this. Yeah, just don't go back and listen to, I mean, go back and listen to the old episodes. Yeah. We'd love the downloads, but like maybe don't. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> don't feel bad if you haven't. So at Arnaud's in New Orleans, the ghost of the original owner's daughter, Jermaine Casanova-Wells, is in a state of permanent Mardi Gras. Interesting. I respect. Party, party. Party, party. Party, hardy. Party, Marty. Oh. Party, Mardi Gras. Hey. hey. Her father, Count Arnaud Cazenave, founded his restaurant in 1918. Germaine served as queen of the Mardi Gras ball for a record-setting 22 years from 1937 to 1968. Yes, so, queen. Queen was keeping it tight. <laughs> when she died, she came back to her father's restaurant to keep the good times rolling. Visitors who spot her report that she is wearing a Mardi Gras gown, and she has reportedly downed half a highball in front of one of the people working. Damn. When the restaurant was otherwise empty. Like, it was just this worker, and there was a half highball on the counter. And he was like, that's weird, because we have a really strict cleanliness policy. Yeah. And then he turned again, and he was like, oh, that highball has been consumed. No. She also plays with the lights and randomly slams doors, but despite the temperamental door slamming, the current owner of Arnaud's describes her as a nice ghost. She's a nice ghost. She's a nice ghost. She's a nice lady. She could have been in our 69th episode. Also, shout out to at the amazing rain on yes. Twitter for pointing out it is the 69th day of the year as we're recording this. Mm, nice. Yes. Yeah, that's what I just responded in all caps. Nice. Mm. But like not in that horrifying mm. voice that just came out of me. <laughs> nice. Lizards. What was it that I said that one time that freaked you out? Was it lizards? I feel like it was yeah, lizards. Yeah, it's probably lizards. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, that was my one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to St. Patrick's Day. Because that's also coming the up. second half of the episode. Yeah. So I have some just like general paranormal nonsense surrounding St. Patrick's Day. You have some stories? Yes. I, I have yeah. some paranormal nonsense. You do too? Okay. Yes. My paranormal nonsense are leprechauns and banshees. Nice. Yeah. Remember that time you forgot the word for banshee? I did. Yeah. <sighs> So leprechauns, We've had some good times. we have had some good times. So leprechauns are a traditional main like they're not a cryptid. What would you go? They're a fairy. They're a fairy. Yeah. yeah. We did a game last year called I'm a leprechaun. Can I do that? Yeah, we did. Yeah. So as a reminder, they're fairy like creatures, and basically their modern makeover has rendered them pretty much benign. Yeah. But actually. They aren't benign. They're mean little buggers. They come not from a tree or a fairy bush, but from the sea where their kingdom originated. They didn't venture on land to happily grant wishes of those who tried to capture them. They actually were probably very pissed off. That's fun. To leave. This is, so one origin story, right? Mm-hmm. Legend, so one le- legend says that leprechauns are a society of shoemakers with magical powers, and to keep them, uh, they keep themselves busy with mending and cobbling. Hmm. And if you catch one of these creatures, you get three wishes in exchange for its freedom. Okay. That's yeah, one, that's, right? Yeah. But we also have the... That's actually, that's evolved to be that, like, I'm the prince of fishes. If you let me go, I'll grant you three wishes. Exactly. There's also the uh, more evil <laughs> little buggers, where you get like more of a trickster, an evil little elf who wants nothing to do with the general populace. Same. <laughs> he'd rather mean-spirited and enjoys playing practical jokes on the unsuspecting, and he'd hurt you as soon as he'd help you. So basically, Good. leprechauns, not friendly. Okay. I'm trying... You said something about... Fa- there it is. Yeah. You saying something about leprechauns being fairies reminded me. I was like, I saw a thing on Tumblr that I wanted to talk about. So it's a post that just says the tooth fairy is fae propaganda. It teaches your kids that it's okay to invite the fae into your home and sell them parts of your body. Oh, (laughs) God. Well, continuing on with dark fairies and fae. The Banshee is also thought to be another type of dark fairy creature. Some believe that she's a death omen. Others believe she just feeds on sadness and seeks out those who suffer from broken hearts. She can kill with the power of her cry, a high-pitched scream that shatters glass and makes blood boil under the skin. Classy. Often depicted as a decrepit old maid or a beautiful woman who transforms into a hideous witch, the Banshee is never a welcome sight. Much lore exists about this creature, its appearance, and the reason it haunts the Irish countryside. But basically, maybe carry around a Bible with you. Fair. So that if you're in the Irish countryside and you hear hideous screaming, mm. maybe uh, hope that maybe, maybe the, just, the book does something for yeah, you. Yeah, maybe just like, or like read it if it brings you comfort. Yeah. <laughs> Throw it at her. <laughs> yeah. Beat her in the head like Street it's smarts. a Zulu coconut. Street smarts. Yeah. You want this Bible? Go get it! So you have some other... (laughs) I do! So, I have a series of various Irish ghosts. Mm. So the first is a ghost story from Ireland in 1937. I did my best to look up all the Irish words and their pronunciations. Yep. We're going to get to one where I could not find, for the life of me, a recording of anyone saying it. So... You are much better than me. We're gonna do what we can. I have two stories that you don't have. Oh, no! And I'm like... (laughs) I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> See, because usually I'm the one who does the Gaelic lore. I've fallen on my face yep. phonetically oh, yeah. too many times, so I'm like, one I will One look of my it former up. students who, who volunteered to, to our show has volunteered to help us. And yet we didn't consult her. We did not cons- consider to consult her. We are dumb. Elizabeth, if you're listening. I'm so sorry if you're we're so about sorry. To <laughs> it's not for a bit. Anyway. This is a ghost story that was told in 1937. Okay. 
one twilight near Halloween in, in Inver, one of the Harvey sisters was, and I don't know what this means, but I put it in because I was like, well, that's a fun phrase. She was, quote, putting in her ducks. I don't know if that means bringing the ducks inside for the night or if that's like a euphemism for like she was taking a bath. Like, you know, I'm going to go put my ducks in. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> or like, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe she's putting something else in. I, I don't know. If you've heard the phrase putting in her ducks before and you would like to enlighten me, email spoopower at gmail.com. Anyway, one of the Harvey sisters putting in her ducks, like putting on the Ritz. And then she saw something upsetting. A woman dressed in gray, was peeking into the kitchen window. Oh, no. Miss Harvey approached the woman and tried to talk to her, but the woman vanished without a trace moments later. Vanished without a trace moments later. The next night, the other Miss Harvey saw the woman in gray in the kitchen. Ooh. So they called up their local priest, Father Kelly, who told the young women to start carrying holy water and they're probably going to be fine. But the woman in gray kept appearing until finally the sisters asked what was troubling her. Right. The ghost said this. I am your mother, and I am 20 years dead. I'm on my way to heaven, and I want three masses, said one from each of you. You three, meaning the girls and their brother, who did not see the ghost, are the only ones living belonging to me, and I want you to pray for me, and I will keep you out of danger. When you are on your deathbed, I will come down and bring you up into the glorious kingdom of heaven, where we will live happy forever. The ghost then disappeared and was never seen again. Ooh. The end. end. I've got a white lady. White lady! (laughs) (laughs) All right. Charles Fort was a military fortress designed to defend against approaching enemies. A young soldier from Charles Fort married a local girl. The union commemorated with a festive and joyous celebration. The bridegroom had watch duty on his wedding night, but the full day of heavy drinking got the better of him, and he fell asleep while on watch. Oh, no. I thought you were going to say, and he had whiskey dick. I mean, he probably did. He probably did. This was a huge dereliction of duty in the eyes of the command. He was found sleeping at his post by his captain and unceremoniously shot on the spot. Jesus! When his bride learned of her new husband's execution, she jumped to her death from one of the fort's walls. Jesus Christ! Her distraught spirit never moved on. She became known as the White Lady of Kinsale. Kinsale? Kinsale? Sure, that sounds good. Kinsale. That sounds like it could be Irish. Her ghost has been spotted both outside and inside the fort. Always in a long white dress, she sometimes smiles at young children and women. A nurse spotted the apparition standing over the bed of a child who was sleeping. And soldiers stationed at the fort report a much different spirit. Several captains swear that they were pushed down a flight of stairs by an unseen force. (gasps) Yes, queen! She's like, fuck you for shooting my husband! Basically, it's that she's still really upset with all of the soldiers with what happened to I her mean, husband. Fair. Fair. I get it. Yep. All right. All right. One? I have another one. In 1911, the Murphy family began to suspect that their Cooning Cottage, should have looked that one up, did not. Oh, I saw that name Coonine. earlier. Yeah. Cooning. Cooning. Cooning Cottage was haunted AF. Mrs. Murphy was a widow, and along with her children, she started noticing a lot of strange happenings in their tiny home. Mm. Strange sounds happened at night, including sourceless footsteps in the loft, knocks at the door, and general creaks and groans. The behavior escalated to include plates flying across the dinner table, beds getting unmade without provocation, furniture floating off the ground, and pots and pans crashing into the walls. Shapes began appearing and moving through the walls, and the entire cottage was plagued with an unshakable cold feeling. 
After this went on for a bit, it became the talk of the town, and eventually clergymen and an MP were called in to see what the fuck was happening. Mm. They confirmed that the occurrences were actually legit happening, and they needed some sort of holy intervention. Mm. So they called an expert. Oh, jeez. A Catholic priest from Maguire's Bridge came in to take care of the unholy business. But after two exorcisms, the paranormal activity continued unabated. The community turned against the Murphy family then, saying that they had clearly dabbled in something that they knew not of, and obviously they were just begging for some kind of demonic action, mm. because otherwise the two exorcisms would have worked. So they're like, yeah, you were asking for that poltergeist. <laughs> what? <laughs> so after that, the Murphy family was like, well, fuck this. There's nothing left for us here. So right. they bounced from Ireland and immigrated to the U.S. in 1913. And then they founded the band Dropkick Murphys. Unfortunately, no. <laughs> Their poltergeist actually came with them, and the poltergeist founded the band Dropkick Murphys. <laughs> Despite the haunting moving to the new world, the cottage was left abandoned, and it's still standing to this day, and visitors report that it is oppressive and unpleasant if you Ooh. wander the grounds. Okay. Spooky. Can you imagine, let's move across the fucking ocean to get away from this goddamn poltergeist, and the poltergeist is like, where are we going, guys? Yeah. Don't mind if I do. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> All right, so I have another story about Lord Tyrone and Lady Beresford of Waterford. John and Nicola were orphan children who were taken in and raised together by atheists. Uh, I vaguely remember this. We may have talked about this at some point. I think we have, yeah. The pair made a pact to never forget the Christian origins of their birth. The first to die would come back to the other, thus proving that there was life after death. Years went on, and the two grew into adulthood. Nicola awoke one night to find her foster brother at her bedside. He told her that he had just died, but was there to fulfill their childhood pact. (gasps) So he basically told her of all of these prophetic events to come, and including her own death at age 47. She was terrified and asked for proof that the vision was real. The ghost grabbed her wrist, leaving a permanent withered mark, much like your (gasps) great-grandmother. grandmother's cousin. Yep. And after that night, she always wore a black silk ribbon to hide the disfigurement. Everything her brother told her that night came true, except that she lived to see her 48th birthday. Hey! She celebrated with a party, inviting family, friends, and a clergyman who knew her as a child. Uh Uh-oh. She was delighted to have outlived her brother's uh, prediction. Her joy was cut short when the clergyman produced a birth registry, which showed that she was actually a year older than she thought. She was indeed 48. Hmm. Hmm. Or 47, rather. Oops. Yeah, sorry, I'm, that was a typo. That's okay. And she resigned herself to the fate. She went home, made out her will, and then died that very night. Jesus Christ. And now the two ki- the two, two bro- siblings now haunt they, together. That's nice. Yeah, the countryside. That's, that's a fun time. Boop. Yep. <laughs> I like to think that's the noise they make. Boop. It's a boom. Okay. You All right. Story? I do. Okay. And this one, like, this is, this is just a trick. It's spelled S-L-I-G-O, and it's pronounced Sligo. Okay. Sure. Tricky bastards. I was saying Sligo in my head, and then I looked it up. Sligo also has a haunted place, but this time, it's a mansion. Oh. William Phibbs built the mansion, sometimes either called the Seafield or Lachine House, Mm. during the height of the Great Famine. He was known to be a dickish landlord, which isn't super surprising, given that he built this, like, giant fucking house. During a famine? During a famine, when most people are like, I mean, we're all starving to death, but, like, you do you, I guess. Sure, why not? They should have eaten him. Anyway, by the early 1900s, Fibbs's descendant Owen had taken ownership of the mansion. Mm-hmm. His favorite pastime was filling the house with a bunch of Egyptian artifacts, including actual fucking mummies. Okay, that's Nothing bad normal. happened. 
This had no bad things happen, and the story ends. Just kidding, it had paranormal consequences. Good. Shortly thereafter, the home was reportedly targeted by a poltergeist who took to smashing objects into walls and scaring the shit out of the servants. Good. The poltergeist was apparently a well-off one, and it would summon up a ghostly carriage replete with ghost horses to rumble up the lane in the middle of the night. Ghost horses. Ghost horses. But the carriage always vanished when it actually reached the home. Booga. Booga booga. <laughs> I was thinking about the story of the nice ghost from a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah, yeah with the, with with the, the nice manner. With the nice this manner. is not that one. This is not that. Exorcisms were even performed discreetly to curb the activity, and that did nothing. No. The poltergeist was like, what is this, amateur hour? Let me get my carriage. Yeah. The Fibs family vehemently denied any kind of ghostly presence, but since their name is literally Fib, nobody believed them. <laughs> Mostly people thought that they were denying it because it made it really hard to keep servants. Yeah. Because, like... All these servants would up and quit because they're like, something spooky is happening in that house. And then they'd walk and they'd tell other servants. And then those servants are like, fuck no, I'm not going to work there with all the ghosts. Right. But the family abruptly left the home in 1938 and never returned. So you can imagine what that did for the rumors that it was haunted AF. They were like, well, if it weren't haunted, why did they just bounce? Checkmate atheists. Checkmate atheists. (laughs) One of my favorite memes. Eventually, the Fibs arranged for agents to pack up all of the house's contents and sell them off, and they included the roof among all the things that were to be packaged off. So the house is now still standing, but in ruin and covered in ivy. The roof is coming with us. (laughs) We're selling this fucking roof because it's got a ghost in it. Damn. Okay. Yeah. All right. Do you have anything else? Yeah, I have just a couple just random St. Patrick's Day shit. For some reason, throughout the last few years, some haunted houses have decided they want to use St. Patch... Patch. St. Patch Day. St. Patch Day. St. Patrick's Day. Warbon. As an excuse for horror. So they have themed nightmare events. Respect. For some reason. (laughs) I guess because leprechauns are evil. Sure. Let's say that. Yeah. Okay. I support that. So there's a thing called St. Patrick's Sleigh Weekend. St. Patrick's Sleigh. St. Patrick's Sleigh. <laughs> I just want that to be like like a drag event oh, or something. That would be like better. A, that, that would be a great drag event where it's like St. Patrick's Day theme and it's yeah. St. Patrick's Sleigh. Right? But this one is Sleigh in the negative tense. Like not we're like, going to murder you. Yeah. Not like Sleigh Trick or so, you get eliminated. So this is by the Dark Hour Haunted House in Plano, Texas. And actually, if you are in Texas, I know Texas is a big place, but if you're near Plano, it's happening... <laughs> This coming weekend, March hey, 15th through 17th. Go do it. And, the, and this is their their description. The Irish hold the legend of St. Patrick, whose story is a common one, and the witches know it well. They waited until the veil between the world of humans and the world of fairies stretched thin, and Shannon McKenna rose to power in the Dark Hour Coven. She called upon the leprechaun and the Fomorian giants, the trolls, fairies, and goblins. She demanded that they go out and hunt men, using them in rituals as she makes mockery of the holiday. (gasps) To wreak havoc on the land and spread fear in surrounding areas so the coven can take hold is their only purpose. They swarm at the call of the witches. The numbers of the wee folk, wee and fairy folk grew, coming through the portal up from the Green Isle. But the witch Shannon McKenna is too greedy and has reached too far. Even a magical hold of the little people is broken if you try to take their gold. Ooh. Now they're taking back what is theirs and more, and the witches are scrambling for power and dominance with you in the crossfire. You'll need more than the luck of the Irish to survive this struggle. Cool. <laughs> I Damn love it. that they've set it up to be like a supernatural civil war. Right. Where it's like witches versus leprechauns. Sunday, <laughs> Sunday, Sunday. And there's another event 
also called St. Patrick's Sleigh Weekend. Amazing! Um, I love that this is the naming convention. (laughs) But this is at the Brighton Asylum in Passaic, New Jersey, and also happening this weekend, March 15th through 17th. If you're near it, you know what you gotta do. So test your luck this St. Patrick's Day weekend at New Jersey's legendary haunted house, Brighton Asylum. You don't have to be Irish to attend this one-of-a-kind haunted attraction, but you may wish you had a bit of the old Irish luck on your side as you navigate New Jersey's scariest haunted house. Oh no, not as you navigate New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, New Jersey listeners. Sorry, New Jersey listeners. I'm just kidding. I have a lot of friends from Jersey. (laughs) I know, my boyfriend identifies as being from New Jersey. (laughs) Oop. Oop. And then this one doesn't seem to be happening. The Jersey Devil is from New Jersey. We we love love the Jersey Devil. Come on now. We're so sorry, Jersey Devil. I can't believe we disrespected you like this. We are now. We're so sorry. (laughs) And this last event seems to not be happening this year, but in in past years, as recently as I think like 2016 or 2017. Okay. So build um, a time machine and go back and meet them. This this is also in Texas. It's at the Slaughterhouse Dallas. In Dallas, Texas. I'm stunned. Uh, <laughs> that was a plot twist. Had a Saint, an event called St. Patrick's Day Weekend Terror. Cool. Oh, not a great... That's not as good as St. Patrick's Slay. Yeah. But their story is, in deep Elm, Elm Street isn't home to just scary razor-wielding men in striped shirts. At Slaughterhouse Haunted House, <laughs> John Ham, John, John Ham's John Ham. <laughs> In, in a slaughterhouse haunted house, creatures, frights, and disturbed murderers coexist in 16,000 square feet of twisting paths and dark corners. For more than a decade, they've opened their doors during the Halloween season, as well as key days throughout the year, such as St. Patrick's Day weekend, or the day a ghost decides to retire. So, <laughs> okay. tangentially related. I'm sorry, does that mean that we have to work when we're dead? Because I am not on board for that. <laughs> like, I don't know what that means, that... What a ghost decides to, to retire. retire. I've decided that I can now go to the other side. I finally... I guess. Hamlet finally killed my brother, (laughs) usurper of the throne, so so now now I can can go to the other side. Shuffle off this immortal Mm. coil. As it were. Hmm. Hmm. I have two more stories that make more sense. Yeah. (laughs) I mean. Marginally more sense for this first one. Yeah. But here we go. Here we go. We're going to talk about the Dairy Vampire. I saw the name of this (laughs) and moved right along. Good call. (laughs) In the district of, God help me, (laughs) Slotaverty? Slotaverty. 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 Fuck me. I could not find (laughs) anyone. Fuck me. I <laughs> I could not find anyone saying this. I watched multiple YouTube videos. I tried just Googling Slatoverty pronunciation and there was none of it. And now I'm enraged at Irish. Anyway, <laughs> in the district of Slatoverty in Derry lies the corpse of a vampire. Isn't Derry also where... Derry Girls takes place? Yeah, I actually saw the trailer for that yesterday. I really want to watch it. I've heard good things yeah. from people whose taste I trust. Yeah. So I need to watch that. Isn't Derry also where it takes place, but in America? I don't know. Okay. I, I don't touch it. I don't touch it either. <laughs> Except for the one time that my... You did touch it? My uh, thesis project candidate... Oh, that's had right. To, she wrote an essay on it, and I had to read it and evaluate it for IB. <laughs> <laughs> and your evaluation was just a big frowny face. <laughs> I hate clowns. <laughs> I hate this. Zero out of zero. She wrote a very good paper. I'm sure she did. Okay, so, Derry. Derry, vampire. The vampire is allegedly buried in a grassy mound called Okahane's Dolmen, easily distinguished by the single thorn tree above it. 
But how did the vampire get in there? Hmm. We just don't know. Just kidding. In the 5th century, a cruel and vicious chieftain known as Avertuk, which I did look up the pronunciation of and was successful in finding it because there's B's and a C-H in there. You can guess where they are. Good. Avertuk ruled with an iron fist. Rumors flew that Avertuk was actually an evil wizard, and thus he got his power with the assistance of some sort of otherworldly devil. Sure. People didn't love that. Yeah. But eventually he died, and the populace was like, oh, thank God, he's fucking dead. So they buried him in the traditional way for a man of his stature, because they were like, look, we didn't like him, but he was still rich, so like, let's give him you a proper burial. You gotta do You gotta do what you gotta do. So they did that. And then they ate him because... Unfortunately, no. You should eat the rich. They did not. Instead, Avertuk popped up again the next day, and his corpse wandered into town and tried to eat the subjects. I hate it. I also hate that I got that. (laughs) You got that right. Yeah, basically, he came into town. He had a bull, and he's like, I need fresh human blood or something bad's gonna happen to you. And everybody was like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. Why are you still alive? (laughs) Didn't didn't you die? Didn't we bury you? you? Panicked, the villagers turned to another local chieftain named Kahan and begged him to kill Avertuk again. Okay. Kahan did this, but once again, Avertuk's corpse dragged itself back to the village the next day to demand human blood. No. Three times, three times Kahan killed this motherfucker, and each of those three times, it did not take. He, it did not stick. He came back the next day. It's like, if you know the song, the cat came back the very next day, only instead of a cat, it's a horrible zombie. I'd hate it. <laughs> I know you would hate it. I for sure hate it. Even though they call it a vampire, this is some zombie bullshit, and I don't stand for it. That's when Kahan called in a Christian hermit for spiritual guidance. The hermit advised that there was only one way to truly dispatch Avertuk and be certain he wouldn't come back again. First, you gotta kill him using a wooden sword made out of you. Not like Y-O-U, oh, but, yeah, but like yeah, Y-E-W. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just fingerspelled it, even though you don't know sign language. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I used to. <laughs> Anyway. It's in there somewhere in my deep recesses of my brain. Yeah, yeah, your recess of your brain was like, oh, she's fingerspelled the right you. Anyway, then his body had to be buried head down and weighted with the giant stone. I don't know if this means he has to be like face down or if they like buried him vertically head first, like you were tilling the soil with a dead I, body. I kind of think it's that. I hope so. That was how I was imagining I it. It made me laugh. I feel <laughs> like I've seen something about burying vampires or like, burying other de- like worldly things where like vertical is better. All right. Because they, especially upside down, because you can't punch out that way. That's true. Like, if they're digging to get out, they're just digging themselves further in. Yeah. Okay, I'm on board for that. Yeah. Anyway, once you've done that, you and remember, you have to weigh him with the giant stone at the same time. Right. You have to plant thorn bushes in a tight circle around the burial mound. And only if you do all of these things will this motherfucker stay dead. Okay. And the hermit was right. Avertuk did not rise again after these steps were taken. But to be safe, locals still avoid the area after dark. That's good. Which, respect. Respect. And you ready for my last one? I am very ready for your last one. Hold on to your face. Oh, God. I don't like... <laughs> I don't like You're that like, warning. Why? why? Why do I have to hold on to your face? Like, I'm literally wearing a hat. You could have said, hold on to your hat. Hold on to your hat. Face, and hold I'm like, on to your whatever, shark. <laughs> I'm worried as I'm, like, clutching my <laughs> nice... Your nice boy. Boy. My... <laughs> Victor Giovanni. Victor Giovanni, your Jozu Jozu. At Belvelli Castle in Cork is the spirit of a woman who met a tragic end after a tragic life. 
In the 1600s, Belleville was the home of Margaret Hodnett, a beautiful and vain AF noblewoman. She should have been Hotnet, am I right, ladies? Ha 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 ha. While at the time mirrors were rare, Margaret had a collection of them so that she had constant access to a way to check on her beauty. So, like, she was, like, full-on narcissizing the sure. place. She was just like, oh, mirror, boom, keeping it tight, boom, look at my ass, boom, what a sexy shoulder. Cool. All the time. Margaret also had an on-again, off-again thing with local lord Clon Rockenby. <laughs> And I thought the name Clon was really funny when I read it the first time. And I still Rockenby. Clon Rockenby. Clon was a big fan of Margaret, and he kept proposing to her. But Margaret was like, new phone, who dis? And kept turning him down. Sure. Which Clon took super well and had no sort of a disproportionate response. Mm. Just kidding. Mm. Uh, Yeah. He decided to raise a small army and siege the castle until Margaret would marry him. Because bitches love getting sieged. That's exactly how i want my life to go yeah like i'm not getting married unless you siege my castle i want jack to raise a small army and siege this house our house please our our small town house our small town house please don't the block is like posting on next door hey does anybody notice the small army sieging the one house like (laughs) what's happening over there don't worry about it anyway he sieged the castle because, like, nothing's going to get someone to want to marry you more than sieging them. Right. Kalan foolishly thought that the posh Hodnets wouldn't be able to withstand a siege very long and would soon sign over their daughter's future to get it to stop. But he was not correct in this assumption. Okay. Apparently the Hodnets, like many castles at the time, had, like, stockpiles in the event of a siege. Right. So they were like, fine, bitch, you want to siege? You siege. They withstood it for over a year. That's amazing. And then they finally surrendered. So Kalan, like, enters the castle and he's like, hell yeah, I finally get to marry a woman. Which, like, honestly, I know there weren't a ton of people at the time, but there had to be some other hot lady that he could have gone and married. Right. That would be easier than sieging a place for a exactly. year. But what what do Whatever. I know? Yeah. Anyway, he storms the castle, goes to grab his new bride, but was shocked to find that the year of scarcity had not been kind to Margaret. She was skeletal and starved, her beauty but a shadow of what it once was. Klon was then pissed at this unexpected consequence of his actions, and he smashed Margaret's favorite mirror to pieces. But while he was throwing the mirror-smashing tantrum, one of the Hodnets stepped in and killed him with a sword. Oh, good. So, bloodshed! Yay! Margaret did not take the mirror-smashing and the revelation that she was no longer beautiful very well. She descended into madness, constantly seeking out mirrors to see if her beauty returned. But it never did, and she died an old maid at the castle. Her ghost now comes back as a woman in white, either with a veil covering her face, or no face at all. How you doing, buddy? Hmm. (laughs) Have more confidence in yourself. You must, you... I mean... You don't need a man to tell you that you're beautiful. You can say, hey, fuck you. Throws a tantrum and says that you're ugly... You stab him. Yeah, you stab <laughs> you that say, motherfucker. No, fuck you. I am beautiful. I am a queen. And then you sing that Christina Aguilera song until you feel better I'm about yourself. Beautiful. Or what I like to do and to boost myself, Juice by Lizzo. Great boost. Words can't bring me down. <laughs> or no, I'm not a snack at all. Baby, I'm the whole damn meal. Yeah. Yeah. Girl. Come on. Anyway. You're okay. It's okay. Unfortunately, she did not have, like, self-esteem-boosting pop music back in the day. Yeah. So she did not take it well. Now, no face ghost. Most often, her ghost is seen looking at a spot on the wall that she then caresses as if it were her reflection. Mm. This legend is supported by the presence of one stone at the castle that has been rubbed smooth. 
a spot believed to have housed Margaret's favorite mirror, and now it's the site where her ghost returns. Yikes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And this is just, like, toxically masculine bullshit. Like, if a lady says, no, I don't want to marry you, guess what you don't do? Siege her house. Guess what you do do? (laughs) Hit hit. You just move on. Yep. Like, you know, go tell your friends, have a nice drink, have a nice cry, write a sad poem in your feelings journal. Yeah. I was just thinking about Captain Marvel last night, and there was one point where she's like, I don't owe you anything. True. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. You don't owe anyone anything. You don't owe anyone anything. And like... Especially not men who are like, you have to prove that you're you know, good at things or that you're beautiful or whatever. No. Yeah. Like that. Honestly, what makes me probably the maddest is that Klon is like... Hey, I know that I sieged your castle, and the whole point of a siege is to cut off your access to the outside world so you don't have regular access to food, you don't have regular access to resources. This motherfucker does that for a year, and then he's like, wait, what? You got skinny? What the fuck? And it's like, what did you think was going to happen? Right. It's like when girls take off their makeup, Mm -hmm. and boys are like, what? Hideous, you've been lying the whole time. Like... No. No, I'm a human person. Step the fuck off. I have hair on parts of my body. I have skin. Deal with it. I haven't shaved my legs in like six months. Oh, I shaved my legs for the first time in like three weeks on Friday and I was like, oh, they're so soft. Yeah. (laughs) I'm really digging it, but I don't do it very often. And guess whose business it isn't? Anyone's. Especially not that guy. Especially not Klon. 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 What a clown. What a clown Klon. Anyway, anyway, that has been an episode of Spoop Hour. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us. Um, happy St. Patrick's Day. And happy belated Mardi Gras. Yep. Happy Lent if you celebrate it. But yes. that's not what Lent is. Lent isn't happy, but whatever. <laughs> if Remember that you guys can check us out on Twitter and yep. on Instagram. Instagram for photos that, of things that were mentioned in this episode. Yep. And then a thing that I participate in... Um, the, the another podcast, uh, no, Pop Culture Bento, oh. which is uh, a blog slash podcast slash YouTube channel um, that I help with um, when we go to like conventions and stuff, has now branched out into more specific podcasts. So mm-hmm. rather than having one long podcast that touches on all nerd things, now we've got a podcast specifically for video games and a podcast specifically for anime and a podcast specifically for movies. And the anime one is like 15 minutes long and then the other two, the video games and the movie ones are like 30 minutes. So if you would like to check out our group's new stuff, you know, go ahead and follow Pop Culture Bento also on Twitter and then, you know, keep out keep an eye out for announcements and retweets from us. I was on the Kingdom Hearts episode of pop culture bento i'm sure a few you're weeks ago i'm Sasha sure all of you guys are stunned and so um yeah go go listen to my friends talk about thing yes thing many thing many thing yeah. if you want to participate in the snack it that's at the snack it mm-hmm. you can find it on facebook you can sign up through facebook for email alerts every time a bracket drops yes yeah Sasha i got the email alerts and we're looking through um the the snack czar puts a lot of the comments that don't make the actual snack it mm-hmm. into the email and we spent a lot of time scrolling through it today. i i did have i think two comments last year make it to the actual snack it and mm-hmm. i was so excited i took screenshots yeah i think the first year that we participated so 2016 a bunch of my comments routinely made it into the snack it and then the number of people participating in snack it 
like exploded up. and now I am like I'm not even gonna try. I'm the comedian of the people apparently because two of my comments one was a true fact about me that I would fake my death and stage my own funeral Tom Sawyer style if it meant I got access to a charcuterie board because I fucking love charcuterie. I had fondue for the first time yesterday mm. in my entire life. In your entire life? In my entire life I've never had fondue until yesterday. You've never been to like melting pot? No. What? I know. Anyway wow. we got fondue yesterday now I have a fondue pot. I'm really excited. And Anyway, it's basically a charcuterie board that you then dip in hot cheese. It's amazing. It's all of my interests. Yeah. So I'm probably going to go get some cheese when I get cereal at the grocery store, and I'm just going to have a grand old cheesy cereal dinner. So have a great day. Eat what you want for dinner because you're an adult and you can do that. If you're not an adult, oh my God, why are you listening to this podcast? (laughs) Babies, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Anyway, happy holidays of various varieties. Happy March. Sure. Happy March Madness, not March Sadness. And yeah. 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 Are you fascinated by mysterious legends, the paranormal, or UFOs? Do stories of murder, missing persons, and con men send you down internet rabbit holes? Did you grow up watching the TV show Unsolved Mysteries? Does Robert Stack's voice haunt your nightmares? Then our podcast is for you. I'm Liz. And I'm Samantha. Join us every Wednesday as we discuss the original Robert Stack episodes of Unsolved Mysteries. Follow along with us on Amazon Prime or just tune in for our weekly podcast. We are on iTunes, Google Play, and social media at Perhaps It's You. Because it's the bourbon, bourbon, the bourbon, bourbon, the bourbon, bourbon. Bourbon. Pub. Bourbon is when a really fat bird is in the house. He bourbon along. He bourbon. Okay.